Welcome everybody to episode 43 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I would like to sincerely thank all the interviewees, listeners and the soccer public of the Illawarra, Australia and the world who download this podcast. Additionally, I would like to say thank you to the people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. Please note, if you have a person you think I should interview, please message me directly on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. This episode's interviewee, John Cropper, was born in 1954 and grew up in Tarawana. Prior to exploring John's own football journey, we conversed about his family's involvement with Tarawana Soccer Club. John's dad and uncle were life members of Tarawana Soccer Club and his dad was instrumental with other volunteers in excavating and constructing the current day Tarawana Oval, a beautiful suburban soccer ground. After exploring the Cropper connection to football in the Illawarra, John then details his junior career with Tarawana, the Illawarra representative team and his high school team. His description of the annual Junior Gala Day is memorable to say the least. Additionally, in this section of the interview, we discuss John's vivid recollections of watching Bowgowney and South Coast United play at their respective grounds when he was growing up. His senior football career in the 1970s with Tarawana, South Coast United, Bowgowney and Tarawana again was a fantastic listen. In particular, his 1974 season with the Bowgowney Club under George Ramage. After the 1976 season with Tarawana, John had several years away from the game to focus on another passion of his, elite level long distance running. In the early 1980s, when John was living in the Blue Mountains due to his vocation as a teacher, he played with Springwood in the Nepean League and with Penrith in the State League. This was not John's last game as a player. He played in his early 40s when he was coaching Winuna Soccer Club in the early 1990s. The rest of the interview delves into John's coaching career, which has so many parts to it. I apologise to you, the listener, that I couldn't discuss all of John's coaching appointments. However, we do discuss his first coaching appointment as an 18-year-old when he coached an under-16 Tarawana team, parts of his school coaching career in Sydney and down here in the Illawarra, and his coaching appointments at Winuna Junior Soccer Club, the Rural Junior Soccer Club, Winuna Soccer Club, Wollongong Olympic Soccer Club, Bulleye Football Club, and the Rural Thunder. Please note, this is not an exhaustive list of all of John's coaching appointments. It is clear after listening to John that he has a deep passion for passing on his love of the game through his coaching. He has coached over a long period and he continues to enjoy helping people learn, improve and enjoy their football. I am in awe of a person like John who has contributed so much to our game in the Illawarra and to record his football journey was an absolute pleasure. My respect goes out to him for allowing me the time to speak with him for over two hours. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here on a Sunday morning um, at home 
and I'm here with an extremely special guest and, and one that I've wanted to interview for quite some time in John Cropper. John, thank you and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, no problem, Travis. For you, um, we've got quite a bit to talk about and, and before we talk about um, your football journey in terms of being a, a supporter, um, a player, a coach, um, a parent and you know a school teacher as well, um, can you give us a um, a bit of an indication to your family's involvement in the sport in the Illawarra because that's a that's a great story as well and I think the uh, listeners um, should be aware of uh, the Cropper name and um, you know what they have done in the Illawarra. Yeah, well, I grew up in Tarawana and uh, if you see some old photos from the 30s and 40s of soccer teams at Tarawana, it's half the team's Croppers and the other half's Bradford's. So they were two really big families in Tarawana. Um, my dad and my uncle, my father Jim and my uncle George are both life members or were both life members of uh, Tarawana Soccer Club. Yep. Uh, a lot of the brothers, there were five brothers, played for all the, all the boys played for Tarawana. Uh, my dad played also for North Wollongong and for um, Belgowney in the State League. Yep. And uh, they were very instrumental in, in operating Tarawana Soccer Club. Uh, my dad was the, probably the main mover with, along with... Uh, you know, Alan Tuckerman and um, Ted Lewis and a number of others in getting the, the Tarawana ground, the present Tarawana ground, up and running. Uh, I can recall that there was a, another ground up there to the north of the present ground, which ran, ran north-south, and I can I can vaguely remember my father playing up there uh, back in the day. And it's gone right through, uh, right through to myself as a player and a coach, and uh, even my son has, has played the game. Um my brother is very keen, keenly involved in soccer. So, yeah, it's been a lot of involvement, particularly with Tarawana Club. And and your brother being Colin, is that right? That's correct, yeah. He's presently at Sussex Inlet. He's just taken over coaching the first grade down there, although it looks like this season might be uh, might be, uh, might be gone at this stage, but uh, never mind. And in regards to um, your family and, and Jim and, and, and George in particular and, and another... Uh, like gentlemen that you spoke of there are uh, amongst, you know, uh, the winds uh, and um, Hudson's, Bugno's, Eminence and the Pools and, and all those sort of names. Um, that, that late 60s, um, they were down uh, playing at the school um, when they started playing again in the senior ranks and then uh, your dad was uh, instrumental in uh, uh, putting together the, the current Tarawana Oval together amongst a host of volunteers. Yes, uh just getting back to the senior club, it, uh, it had been uh, not operating for about 20 years. In 1967, um, I think Ross Emerton and a few others uh, were together and put the club back together. And my dad was the, the first grade coach in 68, and uh, a year or two after that. Yep. Uh, we were, they were playing at the school and then uh, got a really a good ground that you got up there now. It, it was... Uh, a big, a big task. It was, it was a great big hole in the ground. It was a coal washery area, yep. and uh, my father arranged with uh, Ack Wilton to to get fill and all this sort of stuff. And you'll, there are old photographs of uh, all the boys dragging railway sleepers over the soil to smooth it out and all that sort of stuff at, at the time. Um, there, there was quite a bit of trouble at the time, also because I can remember some irate local coming down the middle two o'clock in the morning and smashing on the door wanting my father because he was the soccer man uh, because a lot of the coal had washed away in a heavy rainfall and oh. lobbed in his yard. 
so lots of things happened there, but a lot of work went into it. And I, I was uh, playing seniors at the time, a little bit later than that, actually, uh, when the when the, the new ground was about to open. And we actually played at Belgowney for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, before moving up to uh, Harrigan Street. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a it's a beautiful uh, suburban ground, and and I just wanted to uh, let the listeners know uh, of, of your roots and and um, you know where you've come from in the game and and what. Um, you know your parents and and other other uh, relations have done in the game. So John, uh, that that proud past of of the Cropper name at Tarawana and and what has been uh, done by by your family still continues in in recent times as well, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my brother's son, my nephew uh, Bo, played at Tarawana for quite a few seasons. Played first grade football there. Uh, and then became a very successful coach, uh, and a couple of seasons ago, winning titles with the uh, youth grade and under 23s. And uh, his son, Lachlan, is, is presently playing for Tarawana under seven. So there's an ongoing uh, crop of connection with Tarawana Soccer Club. It's great to see. Well, uh, magical times, and um, like I said, we uh, by doing these interviews, we get a glimpse into into the past. That's uh, uh, that it's a beautiful thing, I think. Anyway. Well, Saturday morning, Saturday morning, Travis was was well, Saturday was soccer, and Tarawana and Belgani were soccer towns. Yep. There, there was hardly anyone played rugby league, and they did. They were probably Catholics. <laughs> you know, the kids that went to the Catholic school, some of them played rugby league. But there was just soccer. Soccer and the school were the, probably the two biggest things at that time. And I can remember every Saturday, Dad was heavily involved in in coaching, and Mum was uh, always volunteering in the canteen, and we spent the day down there. And we the Max Pie truck would pull up, and we'd have and pie for lunch, you'd play a game of soccer, and uh, afterwards it, you'd have uh, go to Tolius's fish and chip shop just over the creek there and, and have fish and chips for tea on Saturday night, and that was your Saturday. It was, it was totally devoted to soccer. In terms of uh, yourself uh, as, a, as a player, um, like you said, your, your family had that involvement, so it was no surprise, um, and you were born in, in 54, that you uh, started playing with the, the Tarawana Soccer Club um, I guess in the in the late fifties was it or early sixties? Uh, well, I was uh, seven years old, going on eight, I think, and played yeah. under nines. I played up an age group with Wayne Bradford, and then uh, so that would have been six, early sixties. So, what do you what do you remember of uh, that first year of uh, playing uh, junior soccer? Well, I can actually remember the first <laughs> first game because we went away and we played bull you know, and been yeah. a year or almost two years younger. I remember they were really big, and then they beat us one nil. And uh, they had bulla in on their chest, and I actually thought it said bully, and I thought it was quite apt. Uh, I also remember that Dad used to take uh, Reader's Digest magazines down to the ground for kids who couldn't afford shin pads. And I, Phil Porter, they used to Phil Porter, a legend up at Tarawana, yeah. administrator with the Tarawana club. He he used to play in the day, you know, and he he used to wear the old Reader's Digest. Chin pads down the socks, and and in that those initial years where you you started as a seven year old uh, playing in the under nines, uh, was your dad the coach as well? Uh, no, I, no, I had a wonderful coach, a, a bloke called uh, Nat Waterman. All right, he was an Englishman. Um, his son Peter played in the team, and uh, we had a pretty good side when we got to the right age. We were playing under nines, so our age group, we we won the league and all that sort of stuff, and. Peter was one of the, the main men. 
and his dad was a really good coach. Looking back on it now, he really had a fantastic uh, way of teaching us the fundamentals properly. And uh, it wasn't until his funeral a couple of years ago, I went to his funeral, and uh, it emerged that he'd actually played for England oh, wow. just after the war. Uh, I never knew that. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, a privilege to, to learn my basics from, from Nat Waterman. Sounds like a, a very humble man that, um, you know, never let on that, you know, he had had a, a professional past. Well, certainly not to us, but it was pretty obvious he had play, he yeah. played. And, uh, uh, you know, I still use those same things that he showed us, where, where you place your foot, you know, where, you, where your knee should be and all that sort of stuff when you're, you're teaching kids, it's just so important. And for you, um, the the early um, Tarawana strip you played in, can you recall the the colours that um, Tarawana played in at that point in time? Yes, yes. Uh, we had white shorts, blue and white ringed ring socks. Yep. Similar to the Celtics, I think, but the blue. Yep. And the shirt was still all blue with a white V. And I think I don't know something about being young, Travis, but your colours seem more vivid. And I, you know, I used to love that deep blue of the shirt. Uh, and also even Belgiani, Belgiani at that time, the seniors, yep. uh, I used to go and watch them play, went, went too far from where I lived, and they wore a dark black mm. outfit with a white V, which, which looked, to me, looked really good as a kid. I just loved those colours, you know. Oh, brilliant. So uh, in between, um, you know, those Tarawana years, um, before you, uh, uh, I guess, concurrently then played some Illawarra representative, before we talk about that, um, is there is there moments um, in that Tarawana junior soccer career that still spring to the mind, such as um, events, uh, yearly events such as the Gala Day? Oh, <laughs> yeah, the Gala Day was just a, a huge thing, and uh, it was it was a thing. Actually, I, I got interviewed on television when I was probably fourteen myself, and uh, and Martin Arrowsmith got interviewed on television and they asked us about Gala. John Newell, the ex-South Coast United goalkeeper, was actually yeah. the interviewer. He used to do the Saturday sports program and he interviewed us about Gala Day. Uh, and one of the things I remember saying was that it was it was a good thing that every team had some chance of being successful because it was only 10 minutes each way. Yep. But at that time, the whole thing was played at Belgowney. I think it got too big eventually and they went to various venues. Um, and the, the the real highlight and was quite fearful actually was the march past. Uh, you used to practice marching with your club flag, you know, training sessions beforehand. And the the culmination was that half the many thousands of players that played in Illawarra would be at the southern end of Belgiani Oval, and the other half at the northern end, and they'd march through towards each other and past each other. Well, there would be dust everywhere. There'd be your hats flying up in the air, people getting bowled over, and it was it was quite fearful to to go through that, that crossover at the halfway line. Um, but yeah, Gala Day was a, was a huge thing for everyone in those days. And, and you talk about the, I guess in your mind um, when you uh, think about the past, the the vivid colours that would have been a, a sight to be seen. That all the the different cl- junior clubs and their colours and and all sort of culminating together in in that march past that must have been uh, apart from being fearful like you said because of the way it was uh, organised it still must have been beautiful to see all the different club colours and flags yeah and and, and huge crowds I can remember in uh, it was under 14 we had a really good side and uh, we played in the final there and uh, I can I can just remember people four or five deep right around Belgiani watching the finals and because once it got to the last couple of teams in each age group, yep. uh, and everyone was still there. It was the same with the seniors. I used to play the 
Coromel Leagues Club knockout. And it was all shorted, shortened games, maybe 15 minutes each way. Yeah. And every club would be there, you know, so that when you played the final, uh, David Nail's got some great videos showing Coromel Leagues Club knockout games and, and the, the hill at Coromel is just packed. It's, it's just packed with people all the way around the ground because uh, everyone was there on the same day from every club, you know. Wow. And when you were um, at the under-14 under fourteen age group, um, you were then uh, selected in the Illawarra representative team. Um, how did how did that come about in terms of how was it organised? Was there trials? And, and, and what did you think when you were selected in that team? Uh, to be honest with you, I thought I should have been selected a few years earlier, but uh, <laughs> there, was a ch- there was a coaching change. Um, and, yeah, there were trials. I think each club could send four. Right. Players. I can remember one famous year where our, our under-18s, the team with Ken Landry and people like that in it, they were just a phenomenal side and they won the competition very easily. And uh, the club uh, objected because only four people could try out from each club and we thought there were, there were more than four that were good enough. Yep. So they ended up, they picked the team. The four guys from our club uh, were selected. And then the team that was picked played against the leftovers that weren't allowed to try out, and the Tarawana team won. So they ended up with seven or eight of them in the, in the Illawarra side that year. Uh, but yeah, in terms of my uh, Jack McGoldrick, Black Jack McGoldrick, Ricky McGoldrick's dad, uh, was the was the coach that year. Uh, very very hard man. We we did a lot of uh, yeah, as you did in those days, a lot of physical training. We, we were super fit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I was named in that squad, and I, I played in that squad. I'd done quite well at club level, you know, just scoring quite a quite a lot of goals as a striker. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I found the higher level I played at the less the further back in the field I moved, and as a senior, I ended up playing at the back. Um, but um, yeah, so fourteens I was in, fifteens. Uh, Harold Moores was, yeah. was uh, from Berkeley was was one of the main men involved, and uh, someone I really admired. Uh, and 16s, I think Dennis Patterson was the coach, uh, oh, the great wow. South Coast United player, and uh, I, was, I was captain at under 16 side. So I had three years in the reps and before moving on to seniors. And and uh, in, in those three years, um, uh, because uh, let the listener know about um, the setup of the representative fixtures. It was it predominantly against um, uh, Sydney teams. Um, what, what sort of was it every fortnight or every week, or how did how did it uh, how was well, it organised? Well, the beauty of it was that you could play for your club as well. Yep. So on the Saturday, we played club football. This is 14s, 15s and 16s only. I can't remember how the younger groups operated. Yep. Uh, we'd play for a club on Saturday and then we'd play reps on Sunday. Okay. And the 14s and 15s and 16s would all go up together on a bus and we played in the Sydney competition. You know, We'd play uh, Marconi and Bankstown and, and whoever else um, oh. up, up there. So th- that was... Competitive, but when it came to the state championships, we considered country. So we would have to go up and play maybe, you know, northern New South Wales or whoever else. Um, up we went, I remember going to Tamworth once, and then we'd always end up playing uh, the top Sydney side in the state final. Uh, we, we we sort of got through most years. Yep. Uh, but when you played the, the the really gun Sydney sides, it was pretty it was pretty tough. We played against. Um, we used to come up all every year virtually in the final. We'd come up against Bankstown. Uh, yep. Ron Lord was the coach, the great goalkeeper. Yeah, he lives in Oakland. And they were just a, yeah. a phenomenal side. They they had some wonderful players, and particularly Kevin Mullen went on to play the Socceroos. Uh, and they used to beat us in the, in the state final. It'd be 6-3 or 6-2 or 5-2. Yep. 
two or something like that. They, it was always quite comfortable for them. They were a very, very good side. And and what so, and what were your um? Did you uh, relish the uh, opportunity to sort of show your wares in that representative teams? Um, did you have a real passion at this point for? for soccer and, and really, uh, you know, an insatiable appetite to play as many games as you could? I just I just loved playing. I, I didn't really have any ambition. I didn't really have any plan. Um, I, just, I just enjoyed playing. And even, I think one of the places I learned a, a great deal was at school because we had a lot of good players. At, I was at Wollongong High School and we had a lot of good rep players there and every lunchtime for about four years <laughs> And that was really competitive because you were trying to prove you were better than the guy, you know, the other guy, rep guy that was in the team, and you want to be the best player in the school. And and we used to play five aside, six aside, every lunchtime, and we'd, we'd come up and sweat dripping off us all summer time. But that, that was, I think, a great learning experience. And and uh, I guess there'd be throughout that period. Then um, you were playing, I guess, uh, club football on the Saturday, the representative football on the Sunday. But you're saying that there were times with Wollongong High that you'd be playing against other schools at, apart from playing at lunch times as well. Oh yeah, we, we had a very good side: um, Ken Dixon, Michael Talbot, um, uh, myself. Uh, there were a lot of quite a few red players in there. Um, and uh, we we got through the last day of the state knockout at one stage, and we played Pennant Hills up yep. at uh, Park Lee, which was just fairly new. There wasn't much there. There was a swimming pool, <laughs> a couple of fields, and not much else. Um, and that's where we played. Uh, we lost that game two one, I think, from memory. And anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, we played. That was that was funny because we, we the school was in Wollongong, and outside of the northern suburbs, I think rugby league was probably bigger than than soccer. Yep. And so it was, we sort of had all these quite Alan Powery people, like good good representative standard soccer players, come to the school, and, and all of a sudden the school started to be successful in soccer, and uh, raised its ugly head, much to the uh, dismay of some of the teachers there, I think. <laughs> so that that state knockout was say the precursor to the Bill Turner Cup, or, or no, no, it was a senior one. It was, it was called senior. the Tasman Cup at the Tasman time. It later Cup. became yep. the Puma Cup, I think. Okay. Okay. Was the Tasman Cup at the time, yeah. And I remember Berkeley Berkeley High School actually won it at one I stage. I think it was in um, 1970 they won. Alan Thompson, uh, Andy Campbell, people like that playing, yeah. So uh, for yourself, um, you know, like you said, you didn't really have a, a, a plan and, and you just loved playing the game. So what uh, brought about the decision um, when you were age 16 to... Um, stop playing in the junior ranks and um, play first grade at Tarawana. Yeah, well, what what that brought that about was that Tarawana were really struggling to not get relegated, okay. and we had uh, a couple of rep players in the 16s, and uh, we were we were called up to play. So, you know, I, I probably played from a club in the morning, my team in the morning in the things. I can't quite <laughs> remember, but uh, yeah, so I was very very young. I, I, it was a year I turned 16, and. Uh, we we did manage to stay up, um, and uh, I, I I actually scored quite a not a lot of goals, but a significant number of goals. So uh, I helped helped the club to stay up, I guess, along with a, a lot of other people. Uh, it was it was a pretty pretty difficult era. It was it was in a year when we were playing down at Belgowney uh, Able. Yep. was when the ground was getting getting built. So we're talking around about the the nineteen seventy season, roughly. 
Yeah, around that time, uh, and uh, I can remember one game in particular. We played Bolambia, and Bolambia that time was was the gun side. I can remember them playing in the, the state cup, which is sort of like the FFA Cup but on a state yeah. basis. And they got through the last few teams. They were they were really good. Uh, so I just did Robert Banks and that Fritz Heaven and all those guys. Winnie and, and Henderson and all well, those yeah, guys. Klaus Winnie, and um, you know they were on top of the comp, and we were down near the bottom. And I remember playing them down at uh, Elizabeth Park, and uh, we really needed some points, and it wasn't real uh, likely. And what gave an edge to the match was that they'd pinched quite a few of our best players, Neville Bridge and Paul Landrigan. And, uh, you know, the Hudsons went down at one stage and Roger Fernie. Anyway, uh, this this game sticks in my mind particularly because we got a two-all draw and I managed to score two goals, one with, one with a long-range free kick in the last minute, which wedged under the crossbar in the corner and just went, <laughs> went into the net. Uh, and we managed to draw, get a two-all draw, which is a really valuable point. And I can remember being in the showers afterwards and Stephen Hudson throwing the ice bucket water over the top of the shower into the <laughs> lamby. <laughs> so that was, that was a day that sticks particularly in my mind, yes. And, and do you recall, um, uh, you've mentioned uh, some of the players um, there, but do you recall uh, who coached you that year in, in first grade? Well, in that little era, I, was, I sort of played games over a number of seasons, and there was uh, Frank Brindley was a coach at one stage, and I think Stephen Hudson at one stage was a coach as well, and they were really good. I can I can recall, you know, I was only young and I was pretty not 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 the biggest person in the world, quite mm-hmm. slight, and uh, you know I, I can remember Danny Hudson, you know teaching me to be tough and how to, how to body charge people and, and stuff like that. So there was a value there. And, you know, guys, Johnny Barker, I remember, was really fit and went all into road runs, which was a standard sort of pre-season in those days. But Johnny and I were the mile out in front of everybody else because we, we sort of liked running, you know. And uh, the, the Say, uh, Johnny Say was there at the time. Um, Brian, big Brian Smith. Um, Peter Simpson, the Englishman. Yeah, just uh, Ross Emerton, of course. Um, Kenny Landry and yeah, although he was playing state league in part of that time for Belgiani, but and, yeah, uh, good memories, good memories. And and what about um, uh, you know, the other people around the club at that time? You've mentioned it before when we first started the interview about um, some of the some of the people that organised uh, uh, the brilliant efforts to put Tarawana Oval together. But uh, what were some of the other committee people around at that time? Well, it was Ted Lewis, of course, uh, the Lewis family. Um, son Jeff was a very good player in particular. Uh, Ted Wynn. Yep. Um, Alan Tuckerman. Uh, you test my memory now, but yeah, a lot of those guys. And, and Peter Davies. Peter Davies was uh, president of the club. Okay. And uh, that, that had big dividends for me because Peter, yeah, we didn't even have a car. My family didn't have a car till when I was 15. Yep. And uh, so Peter Davies used to take his son, his sons, and, and and me up to watch South Coast United play in that great season of 1963. We used to go and watch all the games up in Sydney, and you know I was very lucky that Peter was uh, kind enough to sort of look after me, and and uh, I give, give me inspiration in that fashion. Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue, John. And like I said, I'm not the most uh, organised interviewer, and uh, I apologise to the listeners, but um, sometimes we. Uh, digress sometimes but if we can before we go on to you uh, uh moving on from Tarawana to the state league can we can we go back to you as a supporter and um and and talk about those um South Coast United days and even 
even some of your memories of uh, going to watch Bowgowney in the State League. Um, uh, people who, who listen to this podcast are now aware of, you know, those sort of different tiers of football down in the Illawarra and that, that we had teams in the State League. So can you um, uh, firstly uh, run us through a sort of uh, normal day where you'd then go and watch Bowgowney and then run us through a, a day uh, a day in the life of John Cropper when he then went and watched uh, South Coast United, sort of um, how you got there, uh, the sights, the smells, if you if you could. Yeah, well, the, the Belgowney played at uh, Judy Masters Oval, of, of course. Yep. Uh, just a matter of interest, Judy Barwise, Judy Masters' daughter is my godmother, and uh, uh, her husband was best man at my parents' wedding, so a little bit of history there. <laughs> so a little bit of a tie to Judy Masters. But uh, the ground at Belgowney at those days, people, some people wonder, probably wonder why the dressing shed's at one end rather than the halfway line. Well, yeah. where the dressing shed was, in those days was the halfway line. Right, yes. And the ground went further to the north. Uh, there was an old tin grandstand on the western side where <laughs> supporters used to bash on the tin when you scored. When we were kids, we used to get in and crawl underneath after match day and you'd find coins and that, and the <laughs> people would drop through the slats. Uh, but, you know, we'd go, we'd go down there and uh, pretty healthy crowds and Belgiani in their black with the, with the white lead at the time. Uh, I can remember players like Phil Peters, Alan Tomney, Terry Simister, Jimmy Nipperis, players of that, yes. that mode. Um, Bobby Jones, I think, was in goals, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the ground would be surrounded by cars pulled up against the fence. And yep. when, when the team scored, all the horns would go off. And <laughs> uh, As kids, we used to sit on the back of the net. You get shot for doing that these days, but we used to sit on the back of the net to watch the game sometimes behind the goals. Um yeah, so you know, I had a soft spot for Belgiani, although you wouldn't admit that at the time. It was a great rivalry between Tarot and Belgiani. <laughs> uh, and actually, the guy too, also in Barney Harris, his, his son Ronnie Harris played for Belgiani. So he used to give us curry every time we'd go off to play soccer with our Tarot on a strip on it. But you shouting abuse over the fence at us. Um, yes, yeah, so that was Belgiani. And um, there was the other the other state league time, team at the time, was South Coast United, and that was just. Fantastic period, uh, early 60s. Um, you know, I, I was a bit different than some people. I, I, I just loved the ethnic influence. I thought it yep. made it exciting. Um, they were passionate. Uh, they played the game with the skill that I that I took to, I admired. Yep. I didn't really admire the, the old long ball, hit the striker sort of thing <laughs> myself. And I think I've reflected that in my coaching over the years. Um, but South Coast United, yeah, well... It was out at Wanoona. I could run to Belgowney's ground or walk. It was only just down the road. But uh, South Coast United was uh, a different issue. It was out at Wanoona, of course. And we'd go down to the highway yep. to catch a bus. And there were that, the crowds used to be quite big, you know, four, uh, four up to 10,000 sometimes. But you'd get there on the highway sometimes and the Doran's bus had come along and there'd be people hanging out the window and out the window, you know, <laughs> and it'd just go straight past you. We used to stand out in, near Street's Ice Cream Factory where the, the, the bear was licking the ice cream. Yeah. And bus, you know, gone past full. Another one had come full. So eventually you'd think, oh, if I don't get going, I'm not going to get there. So I used to run out, me and a couple of other guys, I used wow. to run from Coromel to <laughs> Ball's Paddock, watch the game, and then we'd run back afterwards. <laughs> Um, and and just it was so exciting watching South Coast and you talk about colours the, the black shorts and the red the red shot shop with the long sleeves as was the fashion in those days and 
it was just magnificent and big crowds and we knew all the players. And they had, actually, South Coast United had a house that they owned over in Call Avenue, Tarawana. Yep. Yep. And Graham Barnett lived there at one stage, uh, Johnny Brownlee. Uh, so we were pretty excited to see them walking around the street, sort of, <laughs> you know, they were absolute heroes, those guys. You know. And the coach was Jim Kelly. Yeah, well, talk about, um, uh, I guess, you uh, at that point in time in those early 60s, in between, you know, eight eight and above, and you started going to watch these guys. Um, what sort of influence did he had? Because I, I read newspapers, and you know, he had his own column in in the newspaper. Uh, he ended up bringing out a book. Um, it just sounded like he had such a huge influence from you know back in the time when he came over here. He played with over in England. He played with Blackpool, who were in the first division, and Stanley Matthews and all that. So, was it was it that big that his influence was? Yes, I think I think the the key the, the football was so big in those. They were big crowds. I, I mean, football here has gone through a, a peaks and troughs. It just can, it goes all the time. You know, when they first started the NSL, it, it took off and then it died. You know, it seems to be a pattern, and it was in a, absolutely flourishing because the players that came out here. You might remember when Dwight York came out here in twenty nine thousand or thirty something thousand went and watched the first game. That's what it was like because Jim Kelly was. You know, we were fed on English football, and he was he was well known. You know, and then Baumgartner came out here, um, the Austrian. You know, he was he was a world renowned player. And while those players, I think that's a key to big crowds in the flourishing leagues is, is those marquee players who are really yeah. well known. That's what pulls the crowds in, and uh, Kelly was one of those. But he was more than that. He was he was devoted. He was dedicated. He, was, he took to the community. He did fundraising. Um, he was yeah. He was just a huge influence. Uh, it was quite hard to get a run if you weren't English at that time. There was a lot of imported players, um, but uh, it was it was exciting, you know, and to go and watch South Coast United versus Arpia, and you'd have you know big crowds there, and uh, it was just exciting. It was it was wonderful. Uh, I saw I saw South Coast United play Chelsea on a Wednesday morning. It was probably the only day my parents ever let me have off school in the whole life. <laughs> uh, Eleven o'clock kickoff. I can remember sitting there. It was absolutely jam packed. Um, they were they were exciting times, and and for you, um, like you said, um, those uh, federation days as well, where you had um, the different diasporas come over from Europe and, and form their own clubs. Uh, it was exciting because it was a different brand of of uh, football altogether, and and so that it wasn't just South Coast United that drew the crowds; it was the other clubs that they were playing against, wasn't it? Yeah, like you know, Prague had play Yugel at the Marksfield, and there'd be twenty two thousand people watching, and you know, it was, uh, it was a big deal. And you know, I, d- I didn't know apart from what my father said. I didn't know I didn't know anything about the politics of mm. you know the form of the federation until years later. I read about it. It was, it was sort of before my time, but um, I, I, I was there when that ethnic era was in full swing, basically. And uh, you know, but basically, South Coast United was was a British club, really. Yeah. There were Australians in the team, you know, people like Max Tolson, Dennis Patterson, uh, Barry Salisbury, yeah. but, but for the most part, they were they were English imports or Scottish. And and for in that sort of uh, phase where you're talking about Mr. Davies uh, taking you to games and and uh, helping you um, watch South Coast United, uh, 1963, um, uh, one of the biggest crowds. Uh, um, at that point in time, to to watch a, a soccer match, um, the grand final. Can you talk us through um, the, any memories you have of that day and 
and, and what, yeah, trans- absolutely. What, tra- what transpired? Yes, so I went up. Peter Davies took us up. Uh, I can't remember who was with us. With him. My dad was probably there. I can't remember that. But I do remember there would have been a lot, bit more people there if they hadn't shut the gates an hour before kickoff. It was <laughs> in the old sports ground. Yep. People were just jam-packed in. It was fully expected that up here would give us a hiding because they, they had a fantastic side. Baumgartner, Jaros, uh, you know, Campana, all these, these great players, yeah. uh, Johnny Wong. And they'd, they'd done brilliantly during the year. So, <laughs> you know, half the people from Wollongong went up there and expecting we probably wouldn't win. And um, it was it was just amazing. You know, 3-0 at half time. South Coast United led and went on to win the game 4-0. Uh, wow. Just a, a wonderful day and very exciting. You know, it was sort of reborn again around 2000 when the Wolves won the National League. You know, a similar sort of thing when the, you know people lined the streets. <laughs> they came home, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a magnificent day. So you could definitely tell, um, you know, after the game had finished, uh, huge crowd, you know, over thirty thousand. But you could tell uh, on your drive back into the Illawarra that you knew that there was sort of a, a party atmosphere, and the team had won. Yeah, the, the people were pipping horns everywhere and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the main my main recollection is actually of the game itself. Uh, it was just unbelievable. It was, they just played so well, and uh, I think uh, Harpy got a huge shock that day. And 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 was it like you said the, coming into it, Harpy were hot favourites. And you could you believe what you were seeing in that first half? No, I mean it was an interesting fact. Boehm Gartner had actually started off at South Coast United. Yeah, no, he did. He ran a hostel down yeah. in Unindera. Yes, and he didn't. Uh, he didn't like the brand of football they played. I don't remember it being that bad, actually. But he sort of was more comfortable playing a short passing European style game, I think. And uh, then went up to uh, Arpia. Uh, well, actually, he played other clubs up there too in Canterbury as well, didn't he? Yeah, from yeah, memory. I so. But he was a, he was an absolute legend. I remember Ross Emmett, and that's all he ever talked about was Baumgartner. This Baumgartner, that. <laughs> yeah, everyone was trying to do the same little foot tricks that Baumgartner could do, and, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was it was a shock because they had such a star-studded lineup who'd been so successful in that season. So uh, we go back to your playing career, and you know you, you had a a couple of seasons there of, of great football at Tarawana, starting at the age of sixteen, and then um, how did it come about that you then moved on to uh, youth grade at South Coast United? Yeah, you test my memory. So I think it was just a done thing. If you if you were good enough to be selected, you went out and played there. You know, you can imagine from my point of view, having yeah. watched those heroes, that I could go out there and and play and try and um, emulate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even know that was the intention. I was just proud to put on a South Coast United shirt and, <laughs> and play. Um, played there a couple of seasons, I think, from memory, and then and ended up going to, to Belgowney and playing first grade at Belgowney. So that's sort of, we're talking around about, say, 71, 72 um, at South Coast United, whereby in those days the federation teams had three grades, you know, your first, your second grade, and your third grade, which was the youth grade. Um, Correct, yeah. Do you recall uh, uh, the coach that you had in, in youth grade or and or uh, any other players that you were mixing with in that time? Yeah... Uh, um, Gary Masters and, and was was coach at one stage. I remember yep. Gary. Uh, I can't quite remember. I played I played up in reserve grade a bit, and, and some of the guys I was playing with were were older than me. But I certainly remember playing with Bobby Crow, yep. a great player. Um, Donnie James was there around that time. Uh, Alan Thompson, uh, Ernie Campbell, wow. um, Andy Campbell. There were, there were 
Yeah, a long time ago now, and not a lot of memories there playing in the, uh, the minor grade of South Coast United. But it, it must have been, I guess, uh, quite satisfying, like you said a, a couple of minutes ago, that uh, you know throughout the 60s you're you're watching them, and then now you're on the ground, you're you're part of the club, and and yeah, I mean, I mean, the golden era had passed somewhat. It was still exciting. There were still some really good players here. You know, Drew Dunlop and Ian Cuthbert and people like that were sort of there for a couple of seasons. Um, and, you know, it was exciting to be able to play on Wentworth Park. We'd gone and watch <laughs> games and, and to play at Lambert Park. You know, there used to be a big grandstand on one side of Lambert Park yeah. and be full of people. Um, so, yeah, and playing on really good venues against really good sides. You know, you were still playing against some of those some of those guys that had progressed that you'd played against at youth level. Um, you know, occasionally you got to play... Especially if you got to put up in reserve grade, you got to play against. Uh, you, you might be an international coming back from. Injury I remember or... Dave Harding once. I remember playing Western Suburbs and Dave Harding playing for them because he was coming back from injury and played reserve grade against us. So yeah, that sort of thing. And and for you um, during this period, like you said, you uh, you predominantly in your Tarawana junior career. Um, you were striker in the Illawarra rep teams. You you sort of come back to to midfield um, and then. In first grade at Tarawana, you were playing more in an attacking position. So in uh, youth grade at South Coast United, where were you playing there? Uh, I was playing, yeah, usually sort of midfieldy yep. position there. Um, I, was, I was sort of lucky because it was that period Terry Cooper made it fashionable to to sort of get up the line. I was I was really fit and mobile. Yep. And uh, so my job was basically later on, mainly that state league level, was to to play at that left wing back position. Yep. Uh, and you know, yeah, you, you, then they had guys. Everyone sort of adopted that style, and you had people like Harry Williams, you know, a sensational player, mm. uh, playing that sort of left wing back position. So that when I played state league at Belgown in first grade, there, that was that was my my role, uh, which I enjoyed as a junior. When I was playing like under sixteen reps, now, I was actually playing sweeper, which Oh wow! Which was a really easy position because uh, you know if you had a bit of speed and, and you could read the game a bit, it's quite comfortable. Um, but it's it's sort of a position now that's large part disappeared from the game. You know, <laughs> playing flat back fours and things. So John, after a couple of seasons there in seventy one seventy two at at South Coast United, um, there was a change um, at the end of that seventy two season, um, and it was a change that for you. Um, Personally, um, you weren't a huge fan of. Uh, can you talk a bit about that name ch- name change from South Coast United to to Safeway United, and and then w- what decision you made as a player? Yeah, well, I was a as, as you know a great fan of South Coast United. I'd sort of followed most of their games, watched most of their games for a decade, more than a decade, and uh, you know I really would love to have played in first grade at South Coast United. Uh, played two years there, 71 and 72 in youth grade. Yep. Uh, and then the name change came. It was Safeway. It was Safeway Automart was the company. Uh, Bill okay. DeRibra was uh, the owner and uh, took over the club. And it was a sort of thing, I think it sort of stemmed from the American thing where it was very commercialised. And mm. uh, it was the decision was made that South Coast United would be finished with and the club would become Safeway United. And, uh, yeah, obviously I wasn't I wasn't happy with that at all. And and so uh, for you then, um, uh, I guess your options were to to then play somewhere else, and and so you you went back to Tarawana. 
Yes, and had a full season in first grade at Tarawana there. It was, it was a really good developmental experience for me because, you know, young boy, uh, CTC, I would have been 18 that year, yep. uh, to play a full season in first grade and uh, to be really looked after and helped by some of those senior players, particularly on the physical aspects of things. Mm. Uh, back in those days, you know, there was a lot of physical training involved in, in preparation. In um, particular, I can remember Danny Hudson helped me with the physical aspects and, and, and Steve, his brother, uh, you know, with sort of wrestling activities and shoulder barging and, and they kept telling me, you know, how strong I was from my size and I'm sure I probably wasn't. It was, <laughs> they were just trying to bolster my confidence and yeah, and, and it, uh, it was a really a good season for me because the team wasn't overly strong and we had to fight hard and I think uh, that's where I sort of developed the capacity to go on and hopefully play at a higher level uh, in first grade. And and obviously, uh, uh, with your move to Baogani in 74, it was a, a good enough season at Tarawana to then um, give you the opportunity and, and for, for Baogani to then, uh, you know, give you the opportunity in 74. Yes, uh, you know, I, I did score quite a few goals in, the, in that season at Tarawana and must have caught in, caught the eye of George, George Ramage, who obviously had been a player in the first grade at South Coast United when I was there playing youth grade. Yeah. And uh, he opened up the opportunity for me to, to play for Balgani. And and so you then went to, to Balgani in 74, and, 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 and was it George Ramage that was the, the coach at the time? Yeah, George was the coach, and most of the team were Scots. It was, it was a real Scottish influence. It was uh, it was probably the year that I enjoyed most of all the, all the years I played. Um, it was... Uh, the club was got a really good sponsorship. The, the yep. Sydney Precious would call us the Magpie Millionaires because <laughs> it was Belgian Magpies in those days. Um, and, and Miller Brothers Car Yard sponsored us. Yep. It, it was fantastic. Um, you know, we, we were reasonably well paid. They told us that we were all getting paid the same, but then I found out later that the overseas players were getting signing on fees <laughs> in thousands of dollars. But on match day, we all got paid the same. Um, and... Yeah, some, it was just a great team, and I, I, you know, I was like a kid in the lolly shop. I was, I was sort of this young nineteen-year-old boy, going on twenty, and it's just filled up with, with you know, really great players. Uh, there was uh, Hugh Tinney who played for yep. Scotland, uh, Frank Haffey in goals who, who notoriously played for Scotland when they lost nine nil to England at, <laughs> at Wembley. <laughs> uh, John Lavin uh, was the was. Uh, in the side, he was playing beside me and always encouraging me. He played sort of left midfield. He went on to coach Sutherland for many, many years. Don Shanks was probably the biggest star there that year. Yeah, he, he came he, from he QPR, was... didn't he? No, he came from Luton Town. Okay. He, he went back and signed for QPR the next season. Um, but his, it was the same thing as Kelly. Like He was a really well-known player. The big match was, was the thing. Everybody watched yeah. the big match, the English First Division on Friday nights, and Shanks was well known, you know, and he came out here and uh, his first game was was amazing. Like about five thousand people turned up to Belgian to watch Don Shanks play, and we'd been going terrifically well. We're leading the competition, and George left him off in the first half. Well, the crowd weren't too happy with that. <laughs> and, and what were you thinking? Um, did you uh, during the week when he came? Did you get to train with him, or did you? Uh... Oh, oh yeah, it was exciting. Was it just that sort of um, surreal? sort of moment where someone that you'd watched on TV is now training next to you? Yeah, he was, a, he was a good guy. He was a bit of a lad, you know. He used to sort of go out to Kembla Grange races during the week and have a, have a few bets and things like that. 
uh, and, you know, after each game, we go up to Mount Pleasant Sports and Social Club and they give us a free meal. And uh, we were really well looked after. And we played, we did play games out at, um, out at uh, Balls Paddock at times, yeah. like big games. And went across to the Soccer and Sports Club and, you know, had meetings before the game. And George was good. George Ramage was really yeah, good. Yeah, how was he as from, a coach? From my point of view, for me, really good. You know, he's playing games and like most goalkeepers, you'd think he was a striker and <laughs> playing up number nine. <laughs> But uh, no, it, very encouraging. And for me, the, the thing was that he had faith in me. You know, there, there weren't too many Australians in the team that year. It was nearly all imports. It's John McGonigal, Gus Eady, who ended up uh, yeah. coaching the Canadian national youth team, uh, Shanks, uh, Terry Mathias, Utini, John Lavin, uh, Stevie Langford, uh, Rodney Luck was the other wing back on the other side from Ellensburg. Very good player, Rodney. And uh, Phil Luskin played a couple of games in goals as Phil well. Phil Luskin, yep. And the, and the other one was uh, was captain Terry Hurley. Mm, mm. Tell us a bit more about Terry. Oh, mate, Terry was <laughs> he was a tough man. He he uh, he was a captain side, and you know there was no mucking about with Terry. I really liked <laughs> Terry. He was uh, very encouraging that. But you know, I can remember one time I I got the ball on the left side there in front of the grandstand and. I pass it square to him across the back, which which these days is like yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> and he just he just lodged it over the top of the grandstand and it started, you know, and he berating getting in me for passing it. Yeah, berating <laughs> me for passing it across the back. And then I got annoyed, so I turned it back on him and gave him a give him the signal. Well, he he had smoke coming out of his ears, but anyway, we went to shed at half time and shook hands and all worked out well. Um, Yes, yeah, so t- yeah, Terry was a he was a. I, mean, I can always remember that year seventy four. It never stopped raining. It just rained and rained and rained, and in the end they just they gave up, and we just played in mud. <laughs> and I can remember playing at uh, Marrickville Oval, I think it was, and they had a little stand there, and they called off the other grades, and it was one of those days when you know you'd have a shot and it was going in and it stopping the puddle in the goal mouth, that sort of, <laughs> which doesn't happen these days. They call it off if someone spits, but. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I can remember coming out of the shed and it was just the heaviest rain you can have that you could hear on the tin roof. And instead of clapping as the crowd normally does, you can, the, crowd, the, the sand was full because you had to get there to get out of the rain. And instead of clapping, they're laughing. As we came, you just, and we went out and one of the first things happened in the game was that Terry ran charge forward on this ball and sort of decided to run with it a bit. And some guy on the other team ankle tapped him. Right. And he just skidded for about 10 metres on his face. And we had a white shirt, all white shirt with black shorts at that stage. And he got up and seriously, his face looked like Al Jolson. Wow. He had, uh, the whole front of him was just mud. And the back of him was as clean as it had just come out of the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and I can, I can remember initially he was angry. He was going to thump this guy, trip him over. And then we were laughing at him that much that he, uh, he decided to have a laugh. And he, he had a tooth missing in the front. And he, well, you could see his white tooth and the, and the gap in his teeth and all the mud over his face. But, uh, yeah, so, no, really, really great days. We had some some really highlight games during that season. And and what about, if you can, um, sort of, as best you can, paint a picture of the rough lineup and, and what positions players played in and, and sort of the style of uh, football you played in that year? Well, I thought I'd say probably close to what you call a four-three-three these days. Yeah. Um, Utini was usually the stopper, okay, and you had a sweeper. So rather than play a flat back four, you had a sweeper. Yep. 
Uh, Stevie Langford was usually sweeper. I was yeah. left back. Rodney Luck was right back. Yeah. In the midfield, you had Terry Mathias. Yeah. Uh, he played for Shrewsbury Town in England. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Lavin, the Englishman, on the left side. Uh, he had Gus Eady was up front. Uh, Wayne Ronald used to constantly come off the bench and score. Yeah. And if he started, he wouldn't score. <laughs> and I think that was because he, he was that angry from being left on the bench. Because <laughs> Wayne was a, a very good striker with Blamby, Blamby big, yeah. tall, lank, lanky, awkward sort of guy. They were uh, happy in goals. Uh, Charlie Brown, Graham Edwards, is an outstanding goalkeeper too. They, they were sort of vying for that position. Uh, but Haffy, Haffy was brought in. And in those days, if you were an import, you, you, you sort of got the first preference. Yep. Um, so that was roughly the lineup. Um, Shanks, he played nine when he came. A yep. uh, little bit of a story there, too. Uh, he had to go back to his club with a few games to go. Yeah. In fact, interestingly enough, uh, we, we made the grand final. We had to play Manly in the grand final yep. at, uh, at Garside Park at Granville. And uh, the week of the grand final, all the guys that were contracted overseas left. A lot wow. of them went back to Hong Kong. Gus Udi was playing. McGonagall was playing in Hong Kong. They all they all left and went back, and we and uh, I think I might be wrong. Glenn yeah. Fontana could collect me. I think it might have been Glenn Fontana's uh, first grade debut in that grand final. Oh, wow! Um, and uh, we we went down one nil. But I, I'm pretty sure if we'd had our full side, we we would have won comfortably. And and what about the league season? Uh, where did it end up for Bowgani in that year? I think we finished up second, but we may have been first. All I know is the next year we we're in first division. Yep. Um, because. I think Safeway folded. I'm yeah, not sure of the yeah, whole story. You yeah. know more about that than yeah, me, no, probably. No, no, but uh, they, Safeway they folded, and and I think uh, Belgani made the fateful and, and wrong decision to move from Belgani up to Winuna. I don't think it was never the same since. Yeah, and then I think they might have had a one or one or two seasons at on Wollongong Showground uh, in '76 or '77. But but for you, um, like you said, that year you you remember fondly. Do you think it was a, a combination of things that you remember fondly for in terms of you playing, um, the guys, uh, the season itself? Uh, what do you put it down to? Well, I I often wonder in the, in the, in the past, there were, there were English imports that played my position, but they, yeah. they didn't get to play. And I, and I really think that relates back to when I first started playing. When I first went there, yeah. I, I was selected in first grade and you know, we we played trials, and I, I I was very particular on following exactly what George told me to do. I did it, so yeah. I sort of I think that sort of struck his mind. But I think I sealed my place there pretty much in the first game of the season. We you know, it was been a big build up. We'd signed lots of players, mm. high expectations, and we played Melita Eagles. Yep. Um, and everything went pear shaped. That day we lost three nil, and I can remember I still see George laying on his side on the bench on the sideline, <laughs> just totally forlorn. But it, it was, and honestly, Travis, it was one of the better games I ever played. I was just, to me, I was just a kid in an Alicia, but I just yeah. wanted to try as hard as I could. And I just, even though we played as a team played poorly, I, I'd played quite well, and I remember hitting the crossbar twice from long range. And I think George was sitting there, and I've done this as a case. And thinking, Mate, whatever happens, I'm picking you. You know, <laughs> everyone else is everyone else is bloody not happening. It's not happening, and and you're playing well. And I, I really think that determination and to ignore the scoreboard and just do what do as best I could and keep trying. Uh, maybe I you know you'd have to ask George that, but, yeah. but yeah, I kept getting picked. I kept getting picked, which was really, uh, you know, it makes me uh, look back with with fondness on that time. 
And and for you, we spoke about South Coast United and Balgowney and the changing of, of names and, and changing of grounds and, and all that sort of stuff. Do you think, um, you can only, I guess, speak on behalf of yourself, but was it talked uh, talked about uh, with other people in the soccer community that that this is disappointing, that this is happening, and, and where are we going, I guess, as a soccer community when, you know, Safeway and Balgowney then merged and we've only got one team and... And, and stuff like that happening? Yeah, well, it, it happened before and it'll happen again. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you say today, had you played with Belgana? You know, people around the time know that that was the state league team, yeah, but yeah. other people think, well, you know, well, Belgana's in second division or whatever. Um, it's the same, you know, you Coromel. Coromel mm. and Winuna were yeah. in state league before they formed South Coast United. So I guess it's a, seen as a progress and sometimes it's a, it's a good move. Mm which I think it possibly was. I don't know. Some older people might disagree with me, the, yeah. the South Coast United form. Um, but I think in Belgowney, I can remember an article in the Sydney Press saying, you know, you're in First Division now. You can't call yourself Belgowney. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and so the club at that time went along with that philosophy, changed their name to Wollong City, moved out to Safeways Ground at Balls yeah. Paddock. Yeah, no, we're talking about the old Balls Paddock. Yeah, now. that's right. Uh, so it was a... You just... I think it's a constant theme for Australian history, basically. It's like we've just moved away from community. I mean, you know, even the juniors now, kids can go and play wherever they like. Someone can get on the phone and make a super team. You know, like in those days, everyone played, even senior level. You, you played, you played pretty much. Not in state league, of course, we had the no. imports now, but in, in local league, you played. Didn't have to, but most people played for the club where they grew up, and, and all the local people would go and watch, and there were much bigger crowds. And I think partly that was because it was it was local. Yeah. But I think also um, because there was nothing else to do. You know, today, there's seven grades of over 35s or whatever, church league. <laughs> you know, people play, and that's a good thing too. But yeah. they, in those days, if you didn't make the first grade, the reserve grade, or the youth grade, then you, then you watched. Watch. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where the crowds are going. And I definitely agree with uh, uh, 99% of what you said there. It's it's spot on and it, it does change the game. And, and like you've said, you're, you're extremely uh, correct there in terms of uh, it has been cyclical over the many decades that the game's been in Australia that there's been these ups and downs, especially in the Illawarra. Uh, at the end of 74, um, uh, what happened with you? No, I was still playing. Yeah, I did go and play for... Uh, well, I was still Belgani in 75, I think. Yep. Yeah, I was. think it was 76, maybe, the name change. Yeah, it was 75, though, Bowgani. So did you start the season in... in I did Bowgani start the season in 75, yeah. And I played the first four, four or five games, uh, got married, right. went away for a month, come back, and Alan Thompson was in my spot, and what a great player Alan Thompson mm-hmm. was. So it wasn't uh, it was hard to get back. But then I got an injury and missed most of that season. And and, and George had moved on to, I think, uh, to Dapto, uh in 75. So who was coaching? Herbie Williams. Okay. Um, George George moved, yep. went to Dapto, that's right, and I ended up going back to Tarawana playing against George's side. And Alan Tomney was a caretaker coach. Okay. And I played every game while Alan was there. And then I uh, went off and got married. I came back and Herbie Williams, Herbie Williams, the uh, Welshman, I think. Yep. He'd become the coach. I never got a look in under him, but I, was, but I did get injured. I didn't. I wasn't there for too many more games, and that was the end of me. And so, so in '76, you you then had a a very successful season um, uh, back at Tarawana. Yeah, after much difficulty, 
much difficulty because Tar- Belgiani, I was still contracted to Belgiani, they wouldn't let me go. Okay. <laughs> so Ross Emerton took me up to sit in a room with Arthur George and, you know, we peeled. This, they put a transfer fee on the head and right. it was ridiculously high. Anyway, they, eventually Tarawana paid a little bit of money and I went, up, went back to Tarawana uh, to play there in 1976 and we had a great season there as well. And so that was, um, before we talk about that that 76 season, that, that was the the norm of uh, state league clubs at the time that you, when you signed a contract and, and then didn't want to play, that they usually uh, enforced uh, the transfer fee and, and uh, made it you know difficult if uh, you wanted to go to another club. I think so, and not only that. I mean, between you and me, Travis, Belgiani still owe me money. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a bill. What, what used to happen in those days, or in the club I was involved with, you got paid... Your first payment was paid after the first round of the, you know, halfway through the season. Yep. And then your second payment, from my experience, it was pretty hard getting it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because the season was over and, uh, you know, a lot of people were running around trying to get money out of clubs that they'd been promised and that sort of stuff. So um, it wasn't then uh, a difficult decision for you to then to go to Tarawana in 76? Was it sort of, a, in your mind, a, a great great spot to, to come back home in a sense and, and, and play with a, a, a very strong team. Yeah, it was a very strong team and one of the main influences was um, Gary Tuckerman, the coach, who'd been the top player with South Coast United in first grade Yeah, uh, and he he was sort of the one that sort of talked me into going back there and playing and I'm very glad I did. We had a, we had a wonderful season. And, and was it, um, in terms of that family connection, uh, a nice moment as well that, you know, your dad and and your uncle and, um, you know, people that you'd grew up with uh, uh, that had developed the ground. You were now playing at, at uh, Tarawana Oval and, and playing on this uh, great suburban ground um, in, in, in first grade. Yeah, I guess so. It, it never really, I never really thought too much about that aspect of it. I just, just going back and playing with a few mates, you know, and, and, and we got paid as well. It wasn't the sort of pay scale we had at the yeah. State League, but, <laughs> but we got paid a little bit of money. Um, club was sort of looking to go forward in that professional sort of manner. Yep. Um, I can distinctly remember my first game back. Yeah. <laughs> we played uh, Dapto. That was George was coaching Dapto. Uh, Glenn Fontana, a great mate of mine, was playing up front for Dapto. Yep. Phil Luskin was in goals. Yep. And nearly the first thing that happened in the game, I, I was put in a striker. And I got a ball on the edge of the box, turned the turn defender and put it in the bottom corner. It was a really good goal. And I thought, well, yes, you know. Anyway, right at the end, the score was one all. Yep. And we got a penalty. And Gordon Miller, wonderful Scottish player, Gordon Miller, um, it, was, it was normally the penalty taker. Well, I always took penalties, so I put my hand up and wanted to take it. And I was sure I was going to score because I just never missed. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Luskin had played with Belgian, of course, and he knew what I, where I put it. And... Uh, <laughs> Just before I put, I put it down, and Glenn Fontana came up to me and touched me on the shoulder and said, you're going to miss this one, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I put it right in the corner. I, I, was, you know, I used to put it right inside. I hit that inside netting on the bottom corner yeah. on the right side there. Just hit it hard enough, and it was pretty much impossible. And he just died full length and palmed it around the corner. Uh, just unbelievable. Couldn't, you know, so I went from hero to villain in the same game. <laughs> I could have won as a game. Yeah. What about that year? Because it, it was um, in that period, um, the Illawarra Premier League uh, uh, was a, a very good standard of football. 
Yeah, well, of course, it was called the First Division then. It wasn't called Premier League till 78, 77, I think. 77, yeah. 77, wasn't it? Yeah, no, good stuff. I, I think the top teams would be similar to today's teams, but I think overall yeah. there's more good teams today than there was yeah. back then. I'm not one of these people who looks back and say, oh, I was better in my day, and I don't think it was. You know, people do a lot more training today. Uh, as kids, they did a lot more skill work mm-hmm. than we ever mm-hmm. did, and, you know, I think... You can compare players within eras, but not across eras. I think any sport you can measure, standards have improved out of sight over the years. And the ones you can't measure, I suspect, have done the same. You know, yeah. people talk about, you know, the A League's poor. You know, those guys are trained five days a week. Um, when I look at the organisation of their defences and that compared to back in the old days, it's, it's just a different game. Yeah, um, definitely. So that year in '76, you were were league champions. Um... It yep. must have been uh, satisfying, uh, not just as a player, but as a club with Tarawana's rich history to then uh, be uh, atop of the, the sort of Illawarra soccer tree and, and win the league. Yes, and uh, it's funny. If you talk to my brother, he remembers every little bit. He'll say, you remember in the change room, this was said by the... <laughs> I just the, the certain little things stick in my mind. I remember very clearly the day we won the league. We, we played against Unandera, and Larry Gaffney was playing out there. Yep. And they were really struggling. They were down the bottom of the table. Um, and we went out there and we had champagne and the whole thing. And it was a bitterly horrible cold day. The ground had, didn't have much grass on it. it was, and it was a real letdown. We won 1-0 and, and sealed the league. Yep. That we played really poorly. And I can always remember that day. But once we got in the dressing shed and we started popping <laughs> champagne bottles and celebrating, that all went away. But it, it was a letdown because we wanted to go out there and, and do it in style. And yeah, it didn't really right. happen. And 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 for you, what are some of the uh, other players that you know stick in the mind of 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 that Tarawana '76 year? Well, we had uh, Graham Edwards come across from Belgani to play yeah. in goals, and he, he was a fantastic goalkeeper for Belgani uh, for uh, Tarawana as well. Yep. Uh, Wayne Bradford was in there. Gary Masters, yep. myself, Graham Ingram in the middle, very hard-working player. Phil Scott was playing his first year in first grade. He ended up playing like 15 seasons there or something. He was about 17 years old, played on the wide and the right. We had Gordon Miller, just a wonderful, skillful player, uh, Scottish boy. Yeah. Um, and Johnny McDonald up front was a really good finisher. Uh, with Les Sheedy right, on yeah. the left. Um, uh, Glenn Shepherd, yep. who played you know, New South Wales juniors. Uh, yeah, just a, a really good... Good solid side, and and Gary Tuckerman, of course, the coach. Yeah, you know, he was playing. He, coach. He was, and he was uh, he was lightning fast, and <laughs> and uh, you know everyone admired Gary at that time, and uh, we did you know we did we trained very very hard, and it was interestingly it was that year that sort of uh, even though I enjoyed it, it, it got me to give the game away for six or seven years. Yeah, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna ask you. Yeah, why did I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, a couple of reasons. We got to the end of the year and. I got actually transferred out of the area of my job. So if I'd stayed here, probably someone could have talked me into playing again. Because uh, you're a school, tra- school teacher by trade? Yep. That's right. And I, I went up to Springwood in the Blue Mountains for eight years. Yep. Um, but I, was keen, I wasn't keen to play anyway because I was a, an elite-level long-distance runner. And okay. I, I, wanted, I wanted to sort of see how far I could go with that. Okay. Um, and I was, I was probably more suited to an individual sport than a team <laughs> sport, to be honest with you. I liked doing my own thing. And... Uh, you know, the, the thing was, I'd go to training, and I'd, I'd, I'd just come from running training. I'd done 10 400s or something. I was absolutely knackered. <laughs> and they'd say, all right, we're going for an eight-mile road run tonight. Oh, can I stay at the ground and do some ball? No, you've got to do the same as everyone else. And 
yeah, it was just too much. So I had to uh, sort of almost forced to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, and my, you know, I had the PE teacher, famous Brian Basher Dance. <laughs> Uh, he'd train me for running and he was telling me, you know, on a world scale, you, you're you going to be a better runner than you are a soccer player, which probably wasn't true, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's sort of, that. when older people, experienced people give you an opinion like that, you sort of, Take it, it influences you. Yeah, you, you do. Uh, so yeah, so after that I didn't play for six years, I think it was, maybe eight even. And so you're, you're, you're just as an aside, even though this is a sort of soccer slash football podcast, how did the, the running career go in those those six or seven years? Uh, won a lot of fun runs, mate. I had a lot of radios, a lot of trays. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes, yeah, so I was sort of in the top half dozen and stayed. I wasn't, I wasn't sort of world class or anything mm. like that, but, uh, yeah, I could run 800 metres down around 150, a bit more than 150, that's sort of standard. Yeah, you had to be a lot better than that to run the Olympics. <laughs> and and what about personally and even now? Um, do you think it was the right move for you that you wanted to sort of push yourself well, in this other other domain and and test your at test the your time, limits? No, at the time, I, I just said to myself, "Don't get older." And look back and say you were, you know, you. I, I, at the time, I fully wanted to do that. You know, yep. I enjoyed running through mountain trails and the <laughs> running up hills and things like this and by myself and um it was a conscious decision and i said to myself at that time i'm not going to look back and say i wish i kept playing soccer i mean it's a little bit of that there yeah. but it's uh at the time i, I consciously made myself aware that i wasn't going to do that and 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 for you um i guess the next time you you put the boots on in the timeline that you gave me was it was it with penrith in state league no no with uh it was Springwood before that. Springwood. Uh, I, I just went for a run one night up at Springwood. Yep. I'd been living there for years, and I just went in a different course that I'd never been before and came across Hollymount Park, <laughs> I think it was called. No, it wasn't Hollymount. It was something similar to that. Yeah. And there were these guys training for soccer, and I said, who are you? <laughs> they said, oh, this is Springwood Soccer Club. And I said, oh, I might come down and play next. You give me a phone number. I used to play state league for Belgian at the time. Yep. So I went down and I played a season there, and... Did really well. I got player of the year, and and we played. A, they opened up. They put new floodlights in. They had a grand opening, and they played against Penrith, the state league side, uh, in a night fixture to open up the new lights. And the coach of Penrith at the time was Dennis Adrigan, the, okay. the Yugoslavian international goalkeeper. Yeah. And he just came over across to the function afterwards and said, "I oh, you played really well tonight. Would you like to come and play for us next season?" So I went down there. The problem was Travis uh, twofold. I, it was over an hour to get to training. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I lasted about six or seven weeks, and I was, I was going okay, you know. I was a lot smarter player than I was when I was younger. Um, there was an hour each way to training, and at the end of the day, I was more keen to run than play soccer. And I think I played a couple of trial games there, did quite well, and, and then just told Dennis I couldn't do, couldn't handle the workload of the, you know, with the work and everything else I was doing. And, and all So those... that was the end of that. And then I played again later on when I came back to Wollongong. Yeah, a very ripe old age. <laughs> Forty-two, you said in your timeline, and and that was uh, with uh, Winuna, was it? Yeah, so I came back and I I was coaching Winuna first grade, yep. um, and we you know, didn't have a very strong squad. And we had a heap of injuries, and I was forty something years of age, and uh, I said to um, Smithy, the, the secretary of the club at that time. Uh, just register me just in case we're short yep. of players, which he did. And the first week we went down to uh, Shellhaven 
who had a very strong squad. Remember the, the guy Smith, the striker, and that they were yeah. very strong at that time. And uh, I made some dumb selections, and I picked a squad with me on the bench. <laughs> and then a guy got got <laughs> he got injured at about 15 minutes of the game, and I look I look who I've got on the bench, and all the rest are sort of fullbacks. And <laughs> oh God, I didn't plan to go on this early. <laughs> So, so on I go. hadn't t- hadn't played a game for God, how many years? Fifteen years or something. Wow. Got the ball, and of course in the crowd you got all the reserve grades who think you should have been picking them in first grade. So the first time I get the ball, I get the ball. I'm playing strike, and I pass the ball straight out of the team, and I can hear this grumble <laughs> over in the crowd. Second time, same thing. <laughs> Jesus. Third time. Uh, Smithy was playing at the back and he got the ball and I, I made a run on halfway and he played it to me in the air I took it on my chest between the two central defenders went right in slotted it into the goal and I'll never forget I've never felt so relieved in my life <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that I couldn't walk for about a fortnight but uh, <laughs> at least I scored which <laughs> most of the other boys had failed to do <laughs> so uh, while we um, sort of uh, then sort of stop and um uh, talking about your your playing career, um, let's let's turn to your coaching career and 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 is it um, and I might not have this correct, like I said, uh, just going through your timeline. But uh, was it Tarawana under 16s when you were 18 years old that sort of those early 70s that you had your first coaching gig? That was the first one. I, I sort of helped out with a, my uncle had a an under nine team. Yep had Mark Sweeney in it actually and they were struggling they were getting tired every week and I went and, I went and helped coach them I, that was, I was probably only 14 or 15 then and then I don't know how it came about but I ended up coaching Phil Scott's under 16 team yep. um, and they only had I think nine players registered and oh, wow. uh, Phil was the, Phil was the uh, Illawarra rep striker and I played him at sweeper <laughs> and sometimes we only had seven players on the field, and, and we actually ended up making the grand final. So that's remarkable. Did really, really well. But I basically just did it with the philosophy of well, if we can stop them scoring, we've got some chance. And we got a guy called Russell Bond came from from Coromel, scored a few goals for us. And uh, yeah, Terry Hutchison in goals was pretty hard to get past at the time. So yeah, that was I really enjoyed that. And I've always yeah, I am a teacher, and I do enjoy teaching people things, and, and that sort of led me into coaching, I guess. And, and basically. Many of my first years of coaching were, were runners. Uh, a lot of people up at Penrith would be surprised to hear that I coached soccer because I, I was right into coaching runners at that time. Yeah. So when you then moved out of the area, then you focused on, on your running. And, and, and as yep. you said there, you are a teacher and then teaching teaching kids and then um, also uh, teaching teaching running. So when was your next next coaching gig? Well, Was it in the school system? Uh, yeah, definitely within the school system. It was when I came back to Wollongong. Yep. Um, there were some quite difficult lads there at, uh, at Kira High when I came back. I, I come back sort of thinking, you know, I'd, I'd actually come been teaching in South West Sydney at Campbelltown in two different schools. Yep. And I came back down here and think, oh, this will be easy for these kids, you know. Like, <laughs> and and uh, they were, there were some quite difficult kids there and just happened that most of them were soccer players, very good soccer players, some of them. And uh, so I just, uh, to get a bit of kudos, I, I went down the courts at lunchtime and started playing soccer with him. I can remember Vlado Strubinovsky saying, hey, this guy's good, you know. And, and what <laughs> so, sort of period is this, John? This would have been uh, about early 90s, 92. I can okay. remember the year I went there, they had a fantastic first grade team. It had um, the Marola brothers, yeah. Chris, Chris Shepard, um, 
Phil Saunders, people like that in the in the side. Uh, they they're a really good side, and they made the state semi-finals. And they played Westfield. This is when Westfield's first kicked off. Yeah. And um, they they lost, I think, one nil. Darren Eocker scored. So Kira lost one nil. And uh, you know we had we had about five state players in that team. It was a very good side. Uh, and I, I can remember um, the coach of Westfield actually saying to me a few years later. That, in all the years Westfield have been rained, the three hardest games they've ever had were all against Q. That probably wouldn't be the case now, but um, <laughs> it was a little bit of a, a, you know, it was rewarding to hear that. Feather in, in, in the cap. Uh, so before um, we talk about that time at Kira, um, uh, and you started coaching again, did when you're at uh, in the southwest or west of Sydney, there did you did you coach when you're teaching up there? I did. I, I coached the. Oh yeah, actually. I, Interesting thing, I I read a I read a book when I was teaching at Ed's High School, and it was called um, Challenging the Men, and it was a book written by some guy called Dyer in South Australia, which suggested that most of the differences in performance between men and women were due to social aspects rather than biology. So I was quite taken by this, and I decided to have an experiment. Uh, when I was at Ed's, I had a little bit to do with Katrina Boyd. She played for the Matildas, sort of yeah. coached the team there a little bit. And then I got I went across as a head teacher across to Eaglevale High, and I just got this squad of Year Seven girls. I thought, right, I'm going to teach these kids to play as best I can. Yeah. I bought them, you know, really good strips. I took them down to the AIS to get trained by some of the Matildas and all this sort of stuff. And if you look on the state trophy, you'll see little little Eaglevale High School there was a <laughs> runner-up one year. Um, but it was an interesting reaction too, because a lot of the boys were very uh, put out. The, the best shirts belong to the girls' team, and all this. It was, it was quite interesting. So yeah, I got involved with the girls' side of the game, and uh, I coached uh, Metropolitan Southwest women for five years. Yeah, you came across Alan Stasich, which is it was a great old time when you went off to the to the championships and so on. And you'd, uh, we used to have a city versus country game on Wednesday afternoon. That was probably the last time I actually played a competitive game of soccer. <laughs> That was Mark, Mark by Alan Stadjic. <laughs> so do, do you think in that, and we're probably talking sort of mid-80s to 90s where you're at Metropolitan Southwest there, roughly, um, do you think that sort of then sort of gave you that passion or, or willingness to then really get back into the coaching ranks and then that continued on at Kira? It wasn't so much that. I, I got moved back to Kira. I got moved to Kira on Compassionate Grounds. I had a, my, my son, my son had a lot of illness and so on. Yep. And then I had a younger son who was... Who was uh, and keen soccer player, mm. and uh, I, you know, I think I must have enrolled him in a, a holiday clinic at one stage, and I was just sort of standing away from everybody else. And he was it was out of fig tree, and then Glenn Fontana spotted me, and he came up and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Don't have my sons out there." And he said, "How'd you like to come and work for me?" And okay. That's how I that's how I sort of got back into coaching. It led me to coaching elite kids and uh, uh, working for Curva coaching for ten years uh, and all that sort of stuff. Senior level, I was involved with Nuna, uh, also Wollongong Olympic at one stage in the, in the 90s there with the youth team with John Fleming, first grade coach. So yeah, I got back. Once I moved back to Wollongong, I, I sort of got back more into soccer. And of course, once my son son was interested, I, I sort of was like my dad. <laughs> For me, <laughs> I was sort of tied up in it as well. So coaching uh, your child. Um, uh... How was the uh, how was that for you and, and that experience and and where was that? Well, at? I, I only did that um, until he until he went to reps in under 11s. He went mm. and played for the Wolves. Um, it was like it's like it, it's, that's what junior soccer's like, you know. You get some team and his his kid's parents there and he played Premier League or something. You, know? <laughs> you, you can be lucky, or the other thing is you get 
not one of the parents has had any experience with soccer, and, and you just the clubs get there and says, well, if you don't, someone doesn't volunteer to coach, you you know you're not going to have a team. Your kid won't be able to play, and that's the sort of differences you get. So obviously, having had experience, so I put my hand up to to coach that team. Was that at Winuna? Yeah, initially it was at Winuna, yep. and then we moved to Thoreau, and, and and he moved to Thoreau and played at Thoreau. Um, we had a terrific little team there at Thoreau. I think. The, Six of them maybe made the Wolves rep side when they reset. And they were a good rep side too. It was Ricky Zuko's age group. Uh, Ricky Goodchild, uh, Jacob Poscaliro, Ben, ben Bronneberg. You know, there were some very good players coming out of that, that side. And sort of, I guess, in that um, sort of early to mid 90s, you're coaching Akira in terms of the, the school teams and not just uh, outdoor, but um, indoor soccer as well. Basically, I had a great passion for the game, and I was happy to pass it on to the kids. There was a lot of kids there who loved their football. You know, Belgiani was our drawing area, a lot of good, but also Coniston. You know, yeah. we got a lot of good uh, ethnic player based players there. Um, and I basically ran a soccer program there for years. Uh, we trained two or three times a week. Uh, we took them to every opportunity we could get, taking to play in tournaments. So I looked at kids coming through. Uh, who I thought were promising and played them against kids two or three years older. And some great players went, went through that uh, that system. Now, obviously, it's only a very small influence on, on their mm. later success, but, but it's something that contributes, I think. I mean, obviously, the main thing that contributes to a player's success is that player and his personality, but other things can push them along the way. And, you know, as I said, we had some really good players go through that uh, scheme. Yeah, and, you know, Milo Sturjovsky's, um probably one that... Um stands out the most but there like you said there was uh many many others yeah well you you got um shane lockhart played in the under 17 joey's team that won the world cup um uh brendan sandler was there for three years michael sandler was there for a couple of years um jordan murray jordan murray dylan lewis you know just a lot of players that are running around different leagues and some of the guys just superbly talented who for one reason or another never went on to it you know can't remember the names. A couple of Macedonian boys were just um, yeah. Stephen Kateski, just sensational talent, yeah, no, and Zoran Kristevski. I never saw a better talent than Zoran Kristevski. And give a game when he's eighteen, as kids do, and you know people have got different ambitions in life, and that's just the way it is. But uh, I was talking to Milo just not so long ago, and he was saying, you know, what a good player Zoran was. Yeah, I think he had a, a Guinness Book of World Records of, of juggling at one stage. He was uh, a supremely talented uh, individual. Yeah, 12,000, I think it was. But, yeah. uh, I think, too, he was one of those players, I think. Obviously, I don't know the story, but I, I think he was one of those players who uh, was one of these, what you call the special player. And uh, the, men- the mentality, I think, with a lot of elite level coaches at that time is, you know, if you're not big and tough and and you can't stand me standing over you, then you're out. You know? <laughs> I, I think some players, people are different, and some yeah. people you have to treat differently. And I think he was, a, in, in part, I think he was a victim of that mm. attitude. And in that Illawarra uh, soccer ranks, you, you had a, a couple of years, um, sort of 94, you started there at Winuna and, and they were in the second division. Uh, what led you to uh, take up that role and that challenge? I just saw it advertised. Yep. I don't know why I applied. Didn't expect to get it because yep. I'd been out of the area for a long time and then and then they gave me the job. Uh They'd been sort of last and second last for about 20 years. And it was 26 years since they'd made a semi-final. Wow. And uh, it was a bunch of great guys who basically had a pub team mentality, <laughs> in, in, in my opinion. Coach here the first year, we came second last. 
uh, played played some decent football because I always you've watched teams that I coach play. I like them to play. I think it's a game. I love the game. I want them yeah. to play a game that people enjoy watching. You know. And uh, well, I got to the end of the year, and I said, "Oh, we want you to do it again." And I said, "I said, oh, I'm not. I'm not interested. In that. You know, it's, we haven't got the players. A lot of older players. You know. Yeah. And you, know, you get the thing where you'd say, "Oh, so and so's." can't train them, he's working, then you'd hear he was in the club playing the poker machine, and I just said, this is not my scene, you know. So only about three or four weeks later, um, Craig Smith rang me up and said, oh, I've got a sponsor. Oh, I said, they're right. <laughs> so we got a little bit more interest in that stage, and didn't have a lot of money, but it was better than none, and I had a meeting with all the boys, and I said, look, we, we, we lack young players, we need, we can't get some legs, we're not going anywhere. Right. And uh, I said, we've got a sponsor. I could pay all you guys twenty bucks a week, <laughs> or I can I can pick out four or five good young boys that I've seen around the tracks, yep. offer them five hundred dollars or something. You know, it doesn't sound much these days, but back then it was a yeah, bit worth a bit more. You won't get paid anything. Now I'm going to walk out of here. You guys have a meeting. You decide whether you're willing to accept that. And if they hadn't, I would have said, "Well, find another coach." Yeah. <laughs> and they come out and said, "Yeah, we'll accept it." And uh, it was when your brother Josh, I got him to come yeah, out. That's right. I've that's seen right. And Christian Demuth. Christian well. Demuth. That's right. Uh, there were a few of them. Yeah. I got Johnny Yuna to come from uh, the Turkish club. He was yeah. a, a very good player as well. Um, and then Rodney Williams even in the end came and played for us <laughs> for the last few games and did scored quite a few goals. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I think Josh might have your your brother might have scored. Like twenty-seven or something, it was sensational. And what 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 I did, and I, I'd still do it today if I was involved. Is you look at other, you see clubs get the blinkers on, you know, mm. and you've got someone mm. playing in youth grade or reserve grade, and they're bloody killing it. Yeah, turning neutral observer, <laughs> and you just you just if you get the kids here and say, look, I just watch you play. You should be playing first grade. Come play here, play first grade. Yeah, you've got to play because it's hard. It's hard otherwise because you're trying to compete. You either got to produce your own players, and you've got to have a bit of money to hold on to them. Mm. Um, you know, or you got to buy players. And most clubs around these days are trying to buy premierships. Yeah, um, and you know, the club I'm involved with now, for rule, there's a lot of really talented kids coming through there, but they probably won't stay with us because basically, at this stage, we're, we're a community club. Mm. Um, we're there for the community and enjoyment. Players don't get paid, but they do quite well in the second yeah, it's division. The same there. at Balgowney. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Uh, one day, who knows? They might mm. develop the ground and, and go into Premier League with a sponsor or something. Who knows? But at the moment, we were feeding players to, to other clubs, neighbouring clubs, which is it's part of the pitch. It's, it's, you know, it's not a bad thing. You know, I think uh, that that time with Winuna, you did make a, a grand final on a Wednesday night, I think, against Kiama from memory. Exactly, yeah. Do you see um, that as a, a sort of, like you said, you, you'd sort of change the, the way the club... Uh, sort of uh, behaved in terms of just having older players? Frank Shaw, you know, Frank, big Frank, yeah. from Wanuna, he's a, a legend out there. He said to me once, you made us believe we, we could actually win something. Mm. Mm. So, you know, I, I never went on with it there, but um, yeah, certainly to make that grand final, it was it was a great uh, night. There was people came from Western Australia and <laughs> Queensland, <laughs> and big night at the club afterwards. A funny story. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> We'd signed Rodney Williams, and Rodney didn't a terrific player and didn't have a very good discipline record. But he, he was terrific. And his brother, this is what I'm told. 
offered him a thousand dollars he could go through the season without a red card. <laughs> or it might have been a yellow card. Anyway, we played that grand final and uh, we lost two one. And I can remember Larry Berenger just absolutely creamed Rodney right near the end of the game. It was only a couple of minutes to go. Just went right for him from behind, mm. flattened him. So Rodney gets up, Larry's there laying on his back and just runs straight across for Larry, you know, one foot in the stomach, one in the chest, one in the face, and away. <laughs> out comes the card. Cost him $1,000, that card. <laughs> yeah, then um, uh, all, all, all through this period while you were teaching um, various successes and not always about trophies, like you said, um, giving kids a game, um, developing them at school, but you also coached uh, Wollongong Olympic uh, youth grade um, uh, under John Fleming. Uh, why did you take up that role? Because John rang me up. Okay. He was uh, co- coaching the uh, first grade there. And yep. they, they had a very good first grade, so Peter Catholis and people that playing there, uh, Peter Zorbas. Yep. And he just said, well, can you, I don't know who'd, who'd give him the name or suggested it to him, but he said, uh, you're a school teacher, we've got a bunch of kids here who, you know, give you an idea, the last game they played, they didn't finish the game because they suddenly got sent off. The, <laughs> there wasn't enough to, for the seven. Uh, can you come and control them, basically? That was, that was basically what I was... And that, they were a great bunch of boys. I really enjoyed coaching you know, a couple of Theo Mahinitas. And, yep. um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed that time there. And I, I can remember the first game we played... Um, we drew nil all with Lysarts, who, who were, you know, at that time, that that was, yeah, Noel Spencer and people like that playing. Mm. And, uh, you know, all these old guys are coming and cheering us off the ground. <laughs> it's like we'd won the World Cup or something. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's another thing, you know, the regret I have as a player is maybe that I didn't try to go to Sydney perhaps and play in an ethnic club because I, I just find it exciting. I find the passion. Uh, it's the same at Olympic, you know, there's a lot of old guys here. The club means everything to them and, and they're just very, very passionate about uh, what they do. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's, uh, it's good to be part of that. You had a couple of years there at Olympic? Uh, no, only one, only I think, one. from memory. Only one season there. Over that next next period, you know, school teaching, family, and then having that sort of soccer coaching was more in a school sense. When did you then um, uh, take up the reins, I think, was your next... Uh, um, Coaching in the Illawarra club scene uh, with with Bulleye in youth grade was that was that the yes that would have, that would have been next so that was quite a few years later I was, mm. I was I didn't coach a team for about ten years and that yeah. was wonderful because you didn't have to pick anyone and everyone hate you because you weren't picking <laughs> picking their son or whatever else you were just there improving kids you know and I, I was lucky I had a lot of kids going through that uh, there was a system where you where they had regional squads and yep. we used to train the best kids from Sutherland Sydney Olympic and and Wollongong Wolves. And that would feed into a state team. Uh, yeah. So I had I had a lot of good players come through there. And it, was, it was really, and and again, it's just no pressure. It's just joy teaching to play better, teaching them technically technical things and skills. Um, but yeah, the next club team I coached would have yeah. been Bulleye. Okay. And that came about because I just saw it advertised in the paper, yeah. and uh, I went across. I don't know. They were interviewing people. Yeah. And. Yeah, I just sort of went from the background that. And I, I sort of knew Adrian Austin a little bit because he played first grade when I was playing youth grade at South Coast United. Mm. And, uh, you know, he just, he sat in on the meeting and 
apparently there was someone to be interviewed after me and, and, and he just stood up and said, no, this is the one I want. And walked out and went home. So uh, that was the background of the getting that job. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a real pleasure. And uh, I think anyone that saw that team play over that four-year period I was there would would say they were a pretty entertaining side to watch and, and, and had a good deal of success as well. Yeah, it was a successful period. And, and, and for you, was it more a case of, uh, the football that they played was more the success for you and, and that anything else that comes from it is a bonus? Yeah, I think so. And the reward of seeing so many of those players. I think every single player that was in that the, the really good squad we had the last year I was there, yeah. um, I think every one of them played Premier League or higher somewhere. Like Jordan Murray was, was in there. And, uh, but yeah, I, I sort of got a photo at home there of that team and it went through all the players and I thought, yeah, every one of those has played first grade somewhere somewhere and got paid to play which is a bonus yeah. when you're doing something you love yeah definitely and 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 for you um at the end of that sort of tenure as as youth grade coach was it a, just a for you a matter of time to then move on or or did you just um wanted to have a change uh good question again i can't remember yep. I, I'll, I'll go back the first year mate I, I can't speak, and a lot of people are the same, I, I can't speak high enough of Adrian Olsen. Mm. Uh, he's just a, a wonderful communicator, just a really good man. Um, and I love working with Adrian, it was, it was magnificent. And then the, at the end of that year, I think Boulogne probably made a common sense decision. They were just they just basically said, uh, you know, like, we can't buy a premiership against Andalou. Yep. So we've got to take another approach. And... I guess my coming there was a was fortuitous circumstance because I'd, I'd coached at the Wolves. So, yeah, actually it wasn't. A, I'd coached Wolves junior team a couple of years before and I'd coached all those elite squads. So I, yep. I actually knew lots of players and I was able to help to attract some of the, uh, you know, the Wolves youth team players that came there and so on to, to sort of help convince them to come to Bulleye. And, yep. uh, you know, and then you had Ben Smith come in, never coached before and did a fantastic job, you know, uh, and boy, you know, maintained until last season. Probably dropped off a little bit last season, but up until last season, they've been pretty much the yardstick, haven't they, for yeah, quite a few and, years up and, until then. And like you said, with a, a sort of a curtailed budget compared to uh, six or seven of the other other clubs that are trying to buy, yeah, a yeah definitely, uh, definitely are, are disciplined in their budget, and um, you know, uh, get it from a, a sort of a, a source which is a reliable uh, source, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people there, you know, your Bob Sardisons and your Roy Hancocks, and you go on, uh, all those hands, all the all the guys there, Bucket, you know, so dedicated and loyal to the club. And, and, and just, it's a good club spirit, and that's the key to it. You know, people enjoy playing there, you know. Like, all the players have dinner together after training on Thursday night, and uh, it's really good that way. I think you asked me, why did I move on? Yeah. Uh, in part, it was because I wanted to go further. Yeah. I wanted to... I wanted to have an academy or some sort of thing in that club yep. to try. You know, like we were getting we were getting really good players at like 16, 17 years of age, put them in the youth team, and they were going through the first grade. I wanted to sort of try to go back beyond that, and okay. and and sort of every time I build it up, you know, people at the club would say, "Yeah, yeah great," but nothing ever happened. I can't remember. You just feel like you need to change. Sometimes I don't know. We, yeah. we were usually successful. Um, they changed the rules after that. But we won that last year because we won all year. I think we won the comp by what 13, 14, 15 points mm. or something. 
Uh, and then when we got to the grand final, uh, the team we were playing dropped back seven first graders, I think, <laughs> which uh, we couldn't do because our first grade were in first grade. And we wouldn't have done it anyway. We wouldn't have done it to the kids. And I think that year, at the end of that year, they changed the rules yeah. so that they couldn't be done anymore. Uh, and you, but, but I must say that grand final was a wonderful game of football uh, in a wind stadium there. Uh, yeah. We went down 2-1, I think, from memory. It was very good. You know, a great effort for my boys because that team had beaten our first grade 3-1 two weeks before. Well, considering the context of the drop players, it's a, it's a, it's a good result. Although it might yeah, not help and the guy is beside the game. Of, uh, by the way, I trained him for two or three years when he was a kid, and he was possibly one of the most gifted players I ever, ever came across. Another one that sort of didn't really go. And he's still, still a very good player, but I think he could have played much higher standard. That was Johnny Martinowski. Yeah, he was a fantastic, fantastic talent as a kid. Wonderful, wonderful talent. Yep. So, so for you, um, you did have a. Um, before we talk about um, Thrill or Thunder and, and, and the work that you're doing there, and you've had various roles there, you did, um, I think, in 2015 um, have a stint there at Wollongong Olympic in first grade. Um, uh, yep. Did is your past relationship with them, is, did they come and sort of speak to you and say, uh, if you put in an application, we'd, we'd look at it? Uh, no, I think they just ring me up and offered me the job. Yeah. I don't know who had recommended me. Uh, not sure. It didn't really work out. I, I said to them when they asked me, I said, look, I've got to go. I'm going. I booked a holiday for six weeks. So I, I think you should find someone else. But I, I was keen, you know, because I, yeah. I loved the club. I loved the Olympic club and I was keen to go there. Um, but I had a very different view of how the club could go forward, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I'd already lined up two guys that since have become very outstanding players in, in higher leagues. Mm. Uh, very young players. I, I just felt they need some youth. You know, they, they're a good bunch of great bunch of guys, sort of lacking a bit of mobility. And um, but at the, at the end of the day, um, I I didn't get the best out of that group of players, and that's what the coach's job is. You know, and mm. yeah, we were going okay. We won a game or two, but uh, I then went away from it. after after about round two, when I came back, you know, I, I just didn't feel like the comfortable comfortable with going back into the into the situation. I didn't, I didn't think it was working. Um, yep. So, yeah, I stepped aside from that. And as soon as I did that, I had a phone call Thoreau. Yeah, well, Thoreau's, um, like you said, a, a, a community club and, and one that sort of re-engineered the way, uh, you know, clubs are in the Illawarra, where for a long period you had two distinct clubs, say a, a junior club and a senior club. They're one club and, and one entity and uh, have done a, a remarkable job uh, uh, reinvigorating football in in the suburb. So, um, did that sort of appeal to you, in a sense, when you joined them? Yeah. Well, they they were offering me. I don't know whose, whose idea it was. They just offered me the opportunity to to run skills development program for mm. kids. Yeah, because there are lots of kids whose parents, for because of work commitments or because financial commitments, can't play rep football. Yeah. You know, and what you find, uh, Travis, you know, you start giving these kids some a bit more experience-based coaching. <laughs> you know, there's some really good talents there. That the, the net's not 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 getting them. Uh, so so, it, but as a teacher, of course, and as a father of a disabled son, you know, I, I'd like to see every. I don't care how bad the kid is. I'd love to see them improve and, and get a smile on their face because they they can do something. Yeah, when you when you survey kids, why do you play football? I don't say to win. No. I say to play with my friends, and the second one is to learn new skills. Yeah. 
and they love it when they can do something they couldn't do before. And uh, you know, I really enjoy the buzz that I get, to, and it enables me to keep contact with young people, which I think keeps you thinking a bit more younger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy that role there. Uh, we, we've gone from the position four years ago. We had one team in first division. I think there's something like 28 clubs, so it's not that easy. You've got to be in the top 10 or eight. Yep. Uh, and this season we were going to have <laughs> going to have four. So we're making progress. We're producing more better players, you know, more good quality players, and and that'll be a benefit eventually, I'm sure, to clubs like Bulleye and they get their ears to the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I guess uh, it sort of goes into the the senior ranks and and the club, and and I know at, at certain times you've helped the club out by, um, you know, being a youth grade coach and and taking on other roles. So um, you you clearly enjoy um, the atmosphere and and the people at the club. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I've been involved with a lot of good clubs, but um, there's so many. Same, same with Bullies, the same. There's so many people there who are just putting in extraordinary hours, extraordinary de- dedication to make it a good club. Uh, so yeah, very, very proud to be associated with that club. And 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 can you speak of a, a couple of those people? I, I obviously know them, but I, I'd love you to um, say a few uh, few words about the the individuals that are you know because they're the lifeblood of the sport. If if we're to be honest, and um, it's people that you're now going to describe that are you know the reason why um, we are what we are as a grassroots sport. Well, you got you got Danielle Foster there yep. and, and Lindsay, her husband. Um, they, they were involved when my son was playing there 20 years ago, you know, and they're still there. Peter Harkin, Peter Harkin, he, he used to stay on that ground all the time, maintaining the fields and making sure there's a decent playing service. They've been smart enough to apply for grants. They've got probably as good a flood lighting and as good a drainage yeah. or better drainage than That's any definitely. other club in the Illawarra. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brad Walter, just amazing, and his wife. Um, Brad Walter's a rugby league journalist, for those who know him, but he's passionate passionate soccer person. Um, you know, he's involved with the women's side of things in particular, but he just does an extraordinary amount of, of uh, work there. Kathleen Hughes does all that. Debbie McDonald has been involved with Thrill Club, I think, for about 30 or 40 years since her kids were there. She doesn't have a kids there. She, she spends every Saturday there all day. Amazing. It's, it's astonishing. And, you know, and this year, even new ones come in. They haven't been there before, and they're just amazing. Um Emily, uh, I don't know, Emily McEwen, Emily McEwen, you know, can't do enough for you, it's pump up balls, anything, anything to help. Um, they did a big clean-up of the sheds in that last week, and had a heap of people turn up. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it is, it's a real community club. In terms of the football, obviously we're going to expect to lose a lot of our better players as they get older, mm-hmm. uh, but we see that as part of our role, you know, like if we can get kids to be good enough to make the Wolves juniors, well, fantastic, so or football yeah. South Coast or whatever. It's a, it's a good thing. So we're sort of uh, coming to the end of, of, of the interview, and and for me, um, is it the sense, do you get the sense in your mind that that's where you'd like to be for the foreseeable future at a club like The Rule where you can Im- impart your, your knowledge and, and enthusiasm and, um, you know, the tes- technical aspects of the game to a whole range of boys and girls? I think it's, it's what I enjoy most. I, I did have a, a couple of phone calls from uh, first grade positions this year Um, but I've retired you know I can go two minutes down the ground here (laughs) Uh, for for similar sort of pay um, I could do two nights a week and one day on the weekend and I'm I'm there every day basically now Um, but I enjoy it so much 
so it's it's a passion for me to to see kids improve and and enjoy their football. So I don't see, who knows? You can't always predict the future. No. But you know, as a teacher, I always found about eight years, and I was ready to move to another school. You know, just <laughs> that was just a cycle. It just fell on me to change. But uh, at this stage, it's it's you know, I, I you know, there's part of me would like to coach a Wolves team again, or yep. or coach some elite kids and have that opportunity. You know, it's great to see some of the kids you coach playing in what like Socceroos in Millay's <laughs> case and A League and a number of others. Uh, it's very rewarding, but the other part of me says, oh, you know, I'm retired, I'm not getting any younger, I don't really want to be on the Sydney every every Saturday and Sunday and, and carry on. So, yeah, I don't know where I'll end up, but um, I'm happy to work here as long as the um, the Thrill Club want me to continue on. I'm, I'm very happy to do it. So when we uh, sort of finish up now and, and um, sort of have a look uh, back at a broad level at, at your career, um as a supporter, if we talk about that first, you've fondly supported South Coast, uh, the Wolves, uh, in recent times, Sydney FC. Are those sort of South Coast days, although Sydney FC and Wollongong Wolves had a lot of success, uh, is that what sits more fondly in your mind um, when you look at yourself as a supporter? Oh, possibly, because you're, you're young and impressionable, but I certainly enjoyed that great era with Matt Horsley and uh, mm. Scott Chipperfield, and I don't ever miss a game. A home game, anyway. Yeah, uh, that was that was a wonderful area as well. And I, I basically people always say to me, "Which English Premier League do you support, or which team do you?" You know, I basically I love the game, and I, I love to be seeing it played in a in an attacking, you know, entertaining Way. fashion. Yep. Uh, so I don't really support a team in particular. You know, if, if uh, I, at the moment I, I, I follow Paris Saint Germain, I, yep. I, I speak French, and, and so I've got an interest there. I've sort of gone to stay with people who are near the ground there, and um, but you know if they were playing ugly football, like parking the bus, and that I wouldn't be interested. I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch another club, you know. So I like lo- I love watching teams that play attacking football and move the ball quickly and open teams up. You know, like I, I always remember Travis uh, watching uh, Liverpool. You remember the famous one where the, the crowd sang the song and. Yep. It was all over YouTube. And if you remember, they played Melbourne Victory. Yep. And Ange Postacoglu was the coach. And the, and they, I don't know what the story was, I can't remember, but half the team that went out for Melbourne Victory were youth team players. And the first half, Liverpool were wondering what the hell was going on because <laughs> Postacoglu had these young kids playing one-touch football <laughs> you know, and if you if you play one touch football and people are moving off the ball at the right time, and it it's it's you, know, you just can't resist it. it. They were fantastic those young kids in that first half. Um, so that's the style I like to play. I like the style, I like the style where it's you know you you move it quickly. You can you can just open teams up as a team, other teams up as a team, rather than you know, ticking a long ball, playing seconds. I mean, you can do that at a lower level, but I'd like, yeah. to, like to aspire that all of our players will play at the highest, highest level, level they can, you know. And, and as a player, John, um, like I said, you've spoken um, as probably your, your more favourite year in the interview thus far is that 74 season. Um, but do you look back at, say, your body of work whereby... Um, uh, you, you like it all, or, or is that 74 sort of because you enjoyed it the most that year, the one that you look back on most fondly? I think there were always you know, aspects you enjoyed and there were things you didn't enjoy so much. 
I guess it was one of the reasons I, I, I chose to be a runner mm. for there for all those years because I could do my own thing, please myself. I didn't have to worry about, you know, this guy saying I should have been there. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember one of my colleagues at Carolina, I was playing the centre back role that day and uh, and he said, why why didn't you mark him? And I said, because I'm sleepy, you're, <laughs> it's your job, you know, all that sort of nonsense I could do without sometimes. Not, not too patient that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, th- I think uh, when we had the Tarawana 24-year reunion, it was quite a few years ago now, um, they had a booklet out and it just described me as a skillful player. And I think the, that came from George Best. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny little story, but I was watching the Don Lane show and the Don Lane show and it had George Best on. Yep. And the John Lane said, I believe you can juggle a ball. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, your show is, they brought a ball out. And... He had those, it was the times, you know, the 70s, he had the bloody shoes on or, yep. uh, with the, uh, it might have been late 60s actually, when, set, when Manchester United came out here, with the buckle on the top. And of course he tried to juggle a couple of in the buckle <laughs> and the balls went off. He said, oh, hang on. So he put it up on his head and he started to head it up and down, up and down. So this went on for about a minute and then he went to an ad break and they came back and, they, you know, and the audience was just going, hey, because he was still going. You know? He was done three or four hundred on his head. And I thought, wow, that's cool. You know? <laughs> I was only 13 or something. So, I, yeah, I, I was probably juggling a ball long before most people. Uh, and so that sort of was one of the it's funny little things that can impact on young people. But, uh, that was one of the things that sort of induced me to, to have a skill based, you know, enjoy yeah. the skill side of it rather than the physicality of it. And in terms of uh, coaching, you've done quite a bit at, at different levels of the game. Am I right in, in sort of after listening to you, that you get um, that sort of most enjoyment out of uh, of seeing at any level um, a, a player develop and and sort of from the start of the season where you sort of you know I see it in junior football when I watch my sons I love watching the first game and then seeing the last game and seeing how how they've improved in in in, in any way and and do you is that the most enjoyment you get out of coaching when you look back at it? Yeah, and it's the same same with teaching. Um, when you're there every day, and it's the same with parents, when you're there every day, you don't see it so much. Uh, I remember when I was a young guy, I did a practice teaching at uh, Coronel Primary School, and a lady that I was with had a very difficult third class, and they were really difficult. <laughs> so anyway, I went away, and then I come back in September, and they were infinitely improved. And I said, wow, how much have these improved? She said, have they really? <laughs> She hadn't, she couldn't notice, and I think it's the same with with players. It takes, you know, it's it's a, it's a gradual process. Um, they're not going to be superstars overnight. It's uh, and and you know the ones too that you got to look out for the, the little ones. Mm. Uh, Jordan Murray was a classic example. He was an absolute midget. He, was, he wasn't happy about it either. He was about fourteen before he hit his growth, or fifteen even probably. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I can remember him at school one day saying, like, oh, I'm sick of being the smallest guy out there. He broke his leg pretty badly in under 16. And I said, mate, look at your dad. I said, you're going to be bigger. And all these guys that you had to battle against, it was the best thing that could have happened to you. I said, that's the best thing that could happen. Even the same level was the same. Yeah. You know, I think, I think those little guys that are holding their own against the guys that have already matured, they're, they're sometimes the ones to look out for. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me whether they make it or they don't make it, mm. as long as they enjoy the ride, and you know, as long as they get something out of it, become better people. Um, I was very lucky at Bull. I had Bob Sargeson working with me. He was the manager, the strapper, sorry. Yep. 
And uh, he was very, very big on, you know, we want to produce good people as much as we want to produce good soccer players, and I think that's very important. Well, I think um, that's, a, that's a beautiful note to sort of finish the interview on, and, and uh, I'd like to sincerely uh, uh, pay my respects to you, John, in terms of uh, what you've done over the years uh, and, and giving up your time on a Sunday when, um, you know, you could be doing more important things than, than helping me out. But it's been fascinating, um, interesting, and, um, you know, I've, I've gained a, a lot out of listening to your journey. So I, I, I sincerely thank you for your time and, and really appreciate you uh, being on the podcast, John. Well, it's been a pleasure, and I, I must say that I think everyone in the soccer fraternity would appreciate what you're doing in maintaining this, this historical recollections. Well done. Well, thank you, John, and, and like I said, um, I hope to see you this year at the Rule. We hope so. <laughs> and, and we can get back on board, so thank you very much. Right on, mate. Thanks, Bye. John. Bye. Well, it is here where we finish episode 43. Once again, I would like to sincerely thank John for the time he spent conversing with me over the phone. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I am your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 